What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's a little noisy. Reminds me of uh, Jack White. Yeah, uh, I don't remember if it was on the TV or not, but I found it on YouTube. It was like he just took a string, a piece of wood, I think a nail, got that thing tight, grabbed a slide, and just went to town on it. And man, like with these, you could three strings, man, you could write some sick riffs, you know. Yeah, you can. Uh, there are people who are who are really into the cigar box world, and they can they're crazy with it, and. Uh, of course, they go to the trouble of fretting it and everything else, and I have no idea how to. How yeah, but that is a very yeah uh, primitive. Yeah, yeah, it's it's highly skillful to, <laughs> to the skill that I don't have. But, yeah, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> yeah, I think Jack White could make about anything sound cool. Yeah. yeah, like behind Amazing Grace, you know, Seven Nation Army is probably one of the most known songs in the <laughs> yeah. world. And I remember the story behind it. He just played it at a sound check, and a sound guy, he's like, hey, how's it sound? It's all right. And then it goes on. It's a worldwide thing where we're at soccer games, and yeah. people, oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> sporting events, or uh, you'll hear it in a movie every now and then. Uh, yeah. Icky Thump was in uh, well, that Will Ferrell and Wahlberg film, The Other Guys, you know, when crap hit the fan toward the end. But it's crazy how long been enjoying Jack White, but nobody really knows Jack White wrote Seven Nation Army. They'll know the tune, but they right. won't know it's him. Right. I heard him in an interview. Uh, he was asked how he felt about it being played at, at games and stuff, and he's like, well, it's it's folk music now, so it's theirs. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I missed a lot of uh, White Stripes and a lot of a lot of his stuff because it was during that little spell where I'd quit listening to rock for a while mm-hmm. because, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, I just, there was nothing I could really latch on to, nothing yeah. that had staying power. So I just kind of, you know, stopped looking for a little while. Yeah, sure, man. Yeah, late 90s, it got rough. Yeah. Man, you ready to get rolling? Yeah. Well, welcome y'all to another episode of Porch Talk. Today, I've got 
Dave Garrett on here with me, and we met uh, July 4th, earlier this year. Psych Peas had played uh, the night before at, uh, goodness, what was it? They went to Soul Kitchen. What venue was that? Uh, yeah, um, Soul Kitchen, right? Thank you. Yeah, Soul Kitchen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the socially distanced show at Soul Kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember uh, this was like right at the hype of it. This is when shows had just went away. Yeah. Because, you know, six feet apart, socially distanced. Um, I think Mississippi had just reshut their bars down because they were beginning to allow music. And then, like, in two weeks, it was like, no, this is not a good idea. Right. We got to shut down. I didn't know if that show was going to happen. Yeah, we didn't either. But I knew, like, I got my tickets, and I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. Because I'd like to see it. Because the first videos I saw of the psych piece was you giving a guitar hell of a drill. Like, Abe <laughs> showed me that, and I was like, man, this is sick. <laughs> well, you know, it, it came from a studio idea. Uh, we have a song called Dead on, on our record that's coming out. And uh, it's like, hey, it would be cool if uh, if you used a drill with delay. Uh, during during a musical break, and uh, after that we had a show coming up, and I was like, you know, if I had like a cheapo, I could I could drill through it, and uh, so I had this Epi Gibby that I'd gotten at a pawn shop for like eighty bucks, and figured I'd drill holes in it till it didn't play anymore, yeah, and uh, I eventually ended up just busting it on stage, and so it's gone now, yeah, yeah, and then the night that uh, that I called it July third, the Thurman. <laughs> yeah, I saw Abe throw it up, and I was like, "Ooh, end of days." Man, that poor Theremin's been through it, <laughs> and poor John, it's been launched at him accidentally before. <laughs> Crashed down he on a symbol. It. He dodged it, but it I, I, it almost hit him. Yeah, I hit Abe with some guitar shrapnel the night that that, uh, that I busted the Epi Gibby, and uh, yeah, that Theremin I had to resolder. I brought it home with me after after one show to resolder some some components because it, it stopped working. <laughs> Yeah, it's high energy. When live shows become a thing again, guys, you got to check out the site piece. Uh, that's an energetic show. It's <laughs> it's uh, in the moment and very little to no planning, and we just it was. It seemed like it was over. Like you know, it was a good what, right at an hour set or better. Yeah, probably. but it, it felt like it was just there because it was like the amount of fun in the stage present. I mean, y'all were rocking. And that's how much fun I'm having, too. And it goes by just that quick, too. I'm telling yeah. you. It's a good sound. Uh, we'll get to uh, we'll get to that part of the story, man. But uh, So there's military, there's music, there's art. I mean, you're good with electronics and making a cigar box guitar. And <laughs> Man, tell me a little bit about growing up, where you were from, and just how you found your way in all this. Yeah, so... Um, I'm from rural Mississippi, Jones County, outside of Laurel, uh, west of west of Laurel, and uh, you know there was no no internet or uh, anything like that. So uh, we had a couple of radio stations, and uh, I got into music probably. I guess I was about 14 or so, and uh, luckily enough, Nirvana had made it big enough to be on the mainstream radio, and uh, so. Our way of finding out people to look for is we would buy a cassette tape, and on the inside they thank people or they'll list who they like sometimes, mm -hmm. and so we would we would look and and discover you know ever everybody Mud Honey and and 
people we'd ne- we would have never heard of just having two radio stations. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, so that got me. I played bass first. Um, more of a everybody had a guitar, and so well. I don't know, need to be a guitarist. Yeah, I'll just get a bass. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, my first first bass when I was probably fifteen, and uh, it's still out there somewhere. I, I've, I've always let people borrow it that wanted to try bass. So I'm sure a friend somewhere's got it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's that's community bass. Yeah, it's the community bass, the old Yamaha from from uh, 1995 or so. We've had two instruments like that float around. We had a, uh, it was a Mexican Stratocaster, mm. but it was the strangest thing. Is uh, it sounded just as good as an American, but like when you yeah. picked it up and when you laid eyes on it, you're just like, "There's no way that sound- guitar sounds good." I don't know. There was something about that yeah. Mexican, and we kept it down at the church where we practiced and rehearsed and everything. And then one day we went down there, and like a lot of people had started putting hands on it and saw it, and we realized it was gone. Oh, and somebody man. took it, and I was like, "No, no. that was such a good because oh, it because it was so nice to like pluck little pedals." Yeah, I mean, you were talking like a straight American Strat sound, and you paid one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks. A small fraction, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've come close to buying those because they do sound good. Yeah. Um, just to have a different, like I need a, a, another different guitar, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Well, one of my favorites, if I can grab one, I'll show it to yeah, you. I'll, yeah. uh, it's one of my favorites, but it's not It's not really a show playing guitar because it needs frets. It's a 65 Supro mm-hmm. uh, Lexington. It's one of the wood bodies. Uh, you know, they were... Jack White made their plexiglass bodies, their fiberglass bodies famous. But uh, I found this several years ago on eBay. I was like, that's mine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really cool. The pickups sound great, but the the, the frets are just about gone, if you can oh, see them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, if I can get one going to play, to add to the to add to add the show, it would be that one. Yeah. Which I'm going to get the telly back in the mix, too. That's a, it deserves to be. <laughs> That's what I got right now. I had a Gibson SG, same color and everything like the one you had. I bought that with uh, graduation money, and I sold it to uh, my best friend. So thankfully, I can still I can still get to play it. But mm. right now, I've got a uh, Schecter Telecaster. Okay. And you know, Schecter's known for metal. Right. And the patent had run out on the Telecaster patent, and so Schecter made one. So it had the balls of a Schecter you know, whatever their standard formation is on making a guitar. Right. But it was in Telecaster shape, and if, like, people don't look at the headstock, it's like, that telly is different. It's like, it is different. It's a shredder telly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, it's got balls, buddy. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I have a lawsuit, uh, Les Paul. There was a company called Electra, and it's not playable because before I knew any better, I just gutted it. Because it had a lot of it had a lot of bad wiring in it. Yeah. So I gutted it, and I never got around to getting it going. Um, and it's got like some collapsed places in the frets and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a 1980s lawsuit, uh, Electra. I think it was the first guitar I ever bought with my own money because it was it was probably a hundred dollars at a pawn shop. Yeah. Back, you know, in the mid 90s or. I something. think that Tilly when I got it, it was. Uh, hell, I think I gave three hundred for it. It was cheap, you know, yeah. compared to a. Fender telly. Oh yeah, that's another fraction, you know. It was a long time before I had a uh, an American telly. 
<laughs> you can't pick those up just when you want one. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, you got to plan for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but man, moving moving on along with the story, um, just you had pop and pop country on the radio. You had grabbed a bass to play and was just playing garage band style. Yeah. In, the, in your youth. Yeah, with with whoever and. Uh, you know, uh, the big thing would would be like to to play the high school talent show or something. And we played we played an obscure song that that came on like a CD. It was a CD that came in a magazine, and we'd never heard of them either. And uh, I don't even remember the song, but it was just a an obscure song. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, yeah, but that was the the peak of uh, you know the 1990s <laughs> <laughs> for me. Um, yeah, I was always around guitars too, so I guess I started playing them both. Yeah. This, but my first instrument was the bass. I got you. And so after high school, to get out of to get out of town, you joined the military. Yeah, that was that was about the only, and you know, originally thinking about it, it wasn't my idea. I went to the reserve recruiter when a friend of mine was thinking about getting in the reserve, so he could learn some kind of skill that would would, would transition into the real world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sat down, and uh, I just rode with him. I was just down with the ride, and so listened to the recruiter, and I was like, I could, you know, I, I, might, could do this. I might do that. And my friend backed out, and I went in, and that was uh, 2000, and I was mm-hmm. in 2000, 2016, and uh, in the Air Force Reserves, and uh, I got a, a civilian job there doing the same thing. It's called an Air Reserve Technician, so it's... It's married to the reserve unit and kind of do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Working aircraft electronics, and uh, and I got out in 2016 and moved here and completely got out of the military and all. I got you. Now during the military, during uh, your time on a foreign shore, that's when you met Abe for the first time, right? Yeah, I met Abe uh, as soon as as soon as he got to our unit. I, I'd already been there, old enough to be salty and, and, and worn out by. <laughs> <laughs> He probably thought, man, who is this jerk? <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I want to say that was like '08 or '09, maybe. Uh, probably '09. I went to the desert in '08, so yeah. That, yeah. that seems to line up. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it was probably about '09. Yeah. So you was one of the first people to hear some of Abe's stuff, then, like his some of his more private stuff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, because he wasn't doing this, you know. Uh, and so he lived in Mobile. And I lived in Gaucher, which was uh, not not too bad of a drive. To Just face. across the state line, you know? yeah. And so he would stay with me a lot, and uh, you know we became friends pretty quickly. And because uh, I always wanted to get out of there for lunch, and he did too. And it's like so we got to know each other at work. And uh, he would start staying, you know, at my house um, when he was on orders and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And started playing music, and I yeah I got to hear a lot of a lot of the early stuff. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. How did that, uh, like, when you were first hearing it, and I'm sure y'all were jamming back and forth, uh, your style had to be quite a bit different than his. Way different, and and I didn't think, you know, I didn't think it would really line up. Yeah. Uh, so I would just try to do things that would that would complement it, but probably was just weird. Um, I don't I don't think I'm. There's great guitar players out there that can be anybody's side, and that's, I don't think that's me. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of do what I do, and it's weird and obnoxious and loud. And so it's really hard to be what somebody needs me to be. But we, you know, we tried messing around with it for a little while, and, and uh, 
he uh, went into a songwriter uh, competition, mm-hmm. and and people are like, "This dude needs to be heard," <laughs> and yeah. and he does, you know, and and he has, and he, he's being heard. And, uh, so, yeah, just playing around at my house, what we would end up doing is just like blues jams, or I would play the drums because I had I had it. Well, I've still got an old drum set somewhere. It's probably in right there yeah, in the storage. Yeah. yeah. Um, I keep the the floor tom around because it's a good table. <laughs> That's what I put paint on and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Yeah, man. While we're on paint, man, tell me a little bit about the art. Have you got any of that around? Yeah, I've got some stuff. Uh, I'll have to jump up and grab it. Uh, I don't know where everything is, uh, so I will. If it, we can look at it later, if need be. Yeah, that's uh, on the wall over there. Uh, about some stuff I did. Uh, uh, aliens. Yeah, and uh, the Howling Wolf. Uh, that's a print of a drawing that was that was probably about that big, but it was like uh, stippling or pointillism uh, yeah. with with some cross hatching in the back. And I, I like to do stuff like that. It takes a long time, so I don't I don't just crank those out, you know, very fast. What about uh What about your medias? Is it different? Like with what what you're painting with and what you paint on as you're doing different things? Yeah, um, I've got. I've gotten to where I like to work on poster board because I draw mainly, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know much about painting, even though I kind of dip into that every now and then. Yeah. I've got a. I think my favorite painting I did was probably a very wrongfully done watercolor around there of Sun oh, yeah. of Sun House. Yeah. Um, I don't think I even used any water. I think I just uh, I, I grabbed some uh, watercolor and squirted it all out and just stabbed it into the paper, kind of with the brush, because I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, that that probably ended up being one of my favorite things that I've painted. Yeah, that's a cool piece, man. Um, but yeah, I like to draw, and, and for color, I, I go like with color pencils and markers and stuff that stuff that I can keep neat. Because you know, paint's just out of control for me. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I could imagine, man. If I was trying to get into it, I think I'd be the same way. If I started working with paint, my face would be painted, and mm. I mean, it would I'd just be covered. Yeah, <laughs> and then you end up uh, going for a drink of coffee, and it's your paint water. You yeah, know, that's no good. <laughs> uh, but what I what I I like the most is probably black, just black and white ink. But I noticed that uh, I think people respond to color a lot more. As soon as I started adding color, people people started liking it more. But mm-hmm. you know, my my favorite thing to do is the ink, you know, in which I don't have a fancy way of doing that. I get a pilot. Uh, like 0.5 or 0.7 and Shrow. and that's it yeah that's what yeah. I use at work that's about the only pen I like writing with right oh now. they're awesome <laughs> yep what about uh, what about your guitar to talk a little bit about your tone I've we got Sunhouse over there on the wall yeah and you've mentioned like blues and so how did you uh, how did you find the blues by trying to be a guitar player that I wasn't <laughs> and uh, also by by piecing it into what somebody else is playing a, a lot of our songs they wrote on guitar and i had to find something to go with it and uh blues scales and stuff and and notes from it they you know they're just nice and uh you know if you're if you're distorted the blue note turns into the you know the, the devil's interval yeah <laughs> and uh it sounds gritty and uh uh but yeah um you know, you watch watch Paul Gilbert videos and like I'm gonna be like that and like I don't listen to that. Yeah. Like so I eventually came to a place where uh 
I'm just going to come up with stuff I think I would listen to. And sometimes that's, a, you know, sometimes that works. Yeah. You know, and so I'm not trying to become a guitar player I wouldn't listen to, I guess. That'd be the worst, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I think we had a good conversation about it a couple of weeks ago when we were first kicking the can around about doing this. Yeah. We were talking uh, about drums, and uh, I think that's how it started. But uh, moving on in the guitars, I've spent a lot more time uh, with blues scales and uh, emulating uh, as best I can. I can't do it. I, th- I think I agree. Like with my own guitar style, it's like it's not who I am as right. a guitarist. Right. But I want to know how to do it, and I want to try to grab some of those things and bring it to where I'm at. Right. So maybe maybe that influence will shine a little bit, even if it's more in the folkish way of things, you know. Oh yeah. Because uh, man, I'm I'll cowboy chord crap out of you and I don't care I'm not trying to be you know this he played a B7 minor over a ninth look at this killer that's where those that's where those uh, complex scales come into play it has to be over very specific things and if you're throwing a song at somebody you can grab notes out of that blues scale and throw them mm-hmm. and you know even if it's not quite right it's still alright yeah. And that's the thing about the blues is I started like studying, and then I go back and listen to these old Black Key songs, and they're they they always seem to have covers now that I'm more familiar with the blues. And we're talking about these are public forum songs, mm-hmm. but some of them we know who wrote like Will Kimbrough. They've covered him two or three times. I like with the, the album with the pistol. Um, I think they uh, nobody but you. They covered that one, and just getting into the Black Keys, being a teenager, or you know. Then in my late 20s, figuring out, I was like, I thought the Black Keys done that. And holy crap, it was wrote by this blues cat in Mississippi. Yeah. And they met him through Fat Possum. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I think Jack White's done a lot of work to keep cool things alive. Like, uh, it's my understanding that his record label operates at a, like a net zero balance just so he can crank, like resurrect old uh, like primo town detroit music and stuff like that yeah like i've I, you know I, I delved into little willie john because he he remade his songs you know everything that comes out of third man i remember uh margo price uh that's one of the best examples i'm not a big country music fan mm. i like real country i'm not a pop country guy at right. all i think that's complete uh it has its place it's just not on my radio right that's as nice as I'll say it, but <laughs> right, I understand. Uh, but <laughs> like too. Margot Price wouldn't wouldn't being picked up, and she's very talented, and she's a great country writer. Right. But she had too many things, too many things in her closet, skeletons or whatever you want to call it. It was like, I don't know about you at the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> well, Jack White took her. Right. And it it ends up being like the number one country album in the UK, and it was like Jack White didn't say a word, but it was a told you so. Yep. <laughs> you know. He has an eye. He, can, yeah, he, does. he finds it. He really, he really does, and he he works really hard to uh, to keep things like that accessible, or uh, you know, to to make new records that wouldn't have otherwise you know been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the country I listen to is the like makes everybody leave. Like Jimmy Rogers, like <laughs> there's you know, not everybody's into into that old of country, but I man, I will. I think it was the last thing I. I uh... I DJed for a buddy of mine gave me his phone he's like play us some music and I just built a quick playlist and let it roll and then it, it kind of went country and I think Jason Isbell started coming up quite a bit 
and I, I was just playing stuff I'd play at my house, you know. And I was like, it sits well, it plays well in the background, and I think, uh, I'm trying to remember, it was off the Southeastern album, uh, different days started playing. And he walked over there to me, he's like, you got anything that uh, won't make me depressed? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I was like, this is not a very depressing song compared to a lot of his work. Right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll play you some Outcast or something. I, I, right, I, I, yeah. What do you want me to do? Here's a tune called the TB Blues. It's about a man who was dying from tuberculosis, and he wrote a song about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's the country that I that I go for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we were, let's see, in the story. Where were we? Yeah, oh yeah, back to the, uh, <laughs> we got off on guitar tone yeah, and like no, finding your tone. Uh, uh, right, yeah. So I, I think we, we're we can, still in the desert as far as the story goes. Oh, we could go into we could go into guitar tones too. Uh, you're into pedals, uh, yeah. Um, so the old standby pedal, uh, and and I, and I crank them all the way up uh, so they're good and obnoxious. But the 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 DS one's a pretty classic distortion, and uh, it's the old standby, but what I'm writing with the most now is the the swollen pickle fuzz, um, and and the pog the octave the octave uh, pedal there. Uh, together, it's got a really big, big sound. I like that combo, man, because there's a I can't think of the name of it now. It's kind of a small. It's it's about the Diadario uh, tuner right there. It's mm -hmm. about that size. It's a fuzz pedal. It had better uh, when it came to octave. It was a fuzz pedal that came with an octave booster. And I was like, that's genius. Right. But it wasn't as good as a swollen pickle and a pog together. I really I really like that combo. And there are some good there are some really good like mixed pedals. But I bought this, right? To use as a switch. This is a Nexus. It's made here in Birmingham. Uh nice. Um uh, swindler swindler effects, yeah. So it's a looper, but you can program it to if you step on the, the pegs that it, it different combination it'll turn different pedals on and off so my intention was if I have a clean to heavy sound this would come in handy to, to bring both of those in the online at the same time mm -hmm. so it's still I still haven't had to use it yet but it's it's there for that yeah and just getting familiar with the site piece album I mean uh, like you played a little bit before like with swollen pickle and the pod together that's more of what the lackluster right uh, that's going to be, um, more Crimson Flood. And, uh, so Lackluster was Distortion and, and Tremolo. I think they're the only effects I used on Lackluster. Okay. But on the live side, I use a lot of feedback. Um, which the, the, uh, the studio side is kind of live too. We, I mean, we were, we were, we were live recorded. We yeah. were all in the same room. Uh. I just didn't have my amp in that room, so I couldn't get I couldn't draw upon the noise. But uh, we were really happy with the with the studio work. That yeah. was a really really nice experience. Yeah, dude. Like I told you, I've, I've really been enjoying that vinyl. But I usually go to the live side first. And oh, then, nice. then I listen to that studio side first. It's yeah. just if you like if now that I've seen y'all live, if if you've ever seen them live and you go to that live side, it 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 feels exactly like the show. Awesome, yeah. It's uh, it's in the moment music, mm -hmm. and uh, 
Yeah. I think it's I think it's a live kind of music. And it is nastier on that live side, and that's what I like. Yeah, it's it's good and nasty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there might not have even been a plan. <laughs> yeah. Um I go back and forth, because uh, the studio work, they did a really good job. Yeah. And uh I, I enjoy it. It's it's probably my favorite creative thing I've been involved in, in making. Yeah. Uh, really excited about it and I hope we get a, a proper release soon. It's, the world's crazy now but yeah I was glad to get my copy of it uh, at the show that night well I guess just getting back to the story if it's uh, if it's in the desert or coming back after uh, the tour is where were you at then is that when the art started coming more and is that when like building uh, electronic uh, instruments come into play or was that always there Um, I always like doing stuff like that but I never it seems like uh I never took the time to try and do it because you know there's you're compromising your time to to do whatever you choose and uh i just i never really took the time to do it and uh i think probably after the desert i got back into making time to do have a creative outlet Mm -hmm. and it it really helped like you know the kind of guy i was becoming you know i was uh you know just this old military dude yeah <laughs> you know that's that was it and, yeah uh, you know if i um if i had some free time i might play a video game or something yeah so, but uh yeah when once i once i started once abe and i started playing a lot actually um i was like man it's really it's a really good outlet to do creative things and and so uh i kind of got back into into doing it then yeah probably for the first time since i was a teenager got away from home and all yeah oh yeah I got you, man. Like, with video games and uh, comics and some of the things, like, um, I've gotten almost completely away from video games uh, just to to be, to be able to have more time to be creative, but it's something I think about a lot. But it's always nostalgia now. It's, I don't really care so much for what they're doing right now. I don't think it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't know it. It's like I, I would way rather uh, fire up the SNES and play Donkey Kong. Oh, uh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, some of those old <clears throat> Super Nintendo games, it's like a totally different beast. It's like you couldn't save, like, you know, in Donkey Kong you could, but uh, you take like an old NES Mario, it's like you get as far as you get. Oh, yeah. And find the pipes. And then you rage quit, right? <laughs> That's yeah. what my, my son taught me the term rage quit. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah those games were just brutal. Yeah. They, they, were, they were hard, and you'd quit playing a bit. You couldn't play them all day, like, uh, like games now. Yeah. You could play it until till you were good and yeah. fed up with it. And then, yeah, I like I like playing uh, Dark Souls was probably my favorite uh, games that came out. I played that whole series, and um, you know it was just known for being incredibly difficult. Yeah, because it throw you in the game. It wouldn't tell you anything about the controls, and then you take I don't know your first five minutes, and you're in this big arena, and here comes a boss ten times your <laughs> yeah. size, and you're not even supposed to fight him. Like there's there's a door to the left, and it has it has torches on both sides, so you can see it. And the door's wide open. And if you try to fight him, you're gonna lose. <laughs> but you, ha- it doesn't tell There's you. There's no way to know what you're yeah. supposed to do. I've played one of those, and I might still have it. It was two or three. I don't know how many there are. It there's was, there's three. It wasn't the the first one, but I think yeah. well the original was called Demon Souls, and then it. Okay. That was like a PC, and then when they brought it over to consoles, it just was Dark Souls. But okay. Yeah, I started it, and like you said, 
I've, I fought these guys that were hard enough for, for an entry-level uh, game. And uh, then I got to this boss that just whacked you, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to play yeah. Something else. Yeah, I'll play Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I remember uh, some of those horror games, you had the auto saves, and you see the little auto save start scrolling, and you'd be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Something's about to happen. I'm, I'm about to, it's going to go down. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, um, my buddy, he's still deep in. The shooters and the Call of Duties, that, it kind of left me at like Modern Warfare 2 and that first Black Ops when I think they introduced zombies. Mm. I'd still rather <clears> play that than some of the stuff they have now or the Halo days. Right. I think Halo 2 was like one of the most brilliant shooters that ever happened. Yeah, we used to get together and play that. Yeah. I was never very good at it, but I was there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was uh, back, I think, late high school and like all throughout college. It would be like, we'd get out of class... And we'd all pile up at my house, and we were playing Halo, and we, from the boondocks, and we had just gotten high-speed internet, and we was like, we can finally play with the big boys. <laughs> you know, we're playing online tonight. <laughs> and be like, grab the monsters and the Red Bulls, we got it going. It'd be like four of us all night. The Hot Pockets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, we used, to, we used to get together and play Halo some, and uh, I took uh, I took my son to GameStop a while back, and there it was. And I was like, "Oh yeah," and I was like, "I was like, you're gonna get pistol whipped." And I and so so we hook it up, and nah, he's been playing Fortnite, man. He can jump around and and, and hit me in the eyeball with with a rocket launcher. There's no way. <laughs> That's the thing is like I remember uh, video games with like my generation and stuff is we wasted a whole lot of time doing it and our parents always would tell us it's like you're wasting your time and then I think it was like last year that kid made a million dollars playing that Fortnite contest the day's changed it's crazy man <laughs> like what what he likes to do is watch uh, watch YouTube videos of of these gamers that that have 20 million subscribers and that's crazy to me that people would rather watch somebody else play the game than play it themselves but yeah that's <laughs> definitely a thing oh Oh, him and his friends, they'll they will get up and watch that for all day if you let them. It's crazy, yeah. Well, off track again, chasing <laughs> rabbits. But, um... Oh, you had to do side quests. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's what we were on. <laughs> do, 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 deep. Uh, you may remember the Schechter lawsuit guitar I mentioned before. Uh, not a thing. Uh, Schechter's been doing... Telecaster styles for quite some time. It goes back to Pete Townsend used to play one uh, from The Who. So there's that. The more you know. We're going to play a Partridge Black Flag T-shirt Lament, then we'll hop right back into it. of a last come to seek their thrills in the Holy Ghost roams these dripping streets alone but he can't find a single heart to steal it's just another smiling face in a phony handshake 
As them posers fill the art district streets So I just smile back Ashamed of the whole act That's the price I pay For being part of the scene T-shirt from a designer in New York That in an act of rebellion You bought off Amazon And you covered your jacket With reproduction band patches That you never listened to Even when you were young But I could love enough for the both of us But it's getting harder For me to count the cost Because with every dirty dollar Man, I'm beginning to wonder If there's any purity Left in my great heart his fiddle but Rome rotted from the middle and folks have a way of weaving myths into tales we know our story all so well it was heroin and shotgun shells to my generations are died with Chris Cornell maybe it's the influences of my youth that gave me this jagged truth Maybe it's my punk rock ideals But this old hippie jam It's a beach town trinket scam And like Dylan, man, I'm stuck in Mobile It's hard to be an artist in this town So I'll cursed here to try I'll close my eyes and I'll sing to God Cause I knew you wouldn't listen anyhow Oh yes I knew you wouldn't listen I guess now that we're back in the States and you and Abe are playing together and like the creative outlets and I don't know, this this had to be pre-Psych P's, right? These were just garage projects, right? Yeah, just messing around. Yeah. Yeah, um, the Psych P's um, was uh, originally three of us and then uh, our buddy played with us and we were we were doing it for fun and 
you know, just to, just to play loud rock and roll. And uh, I moved up here, made it harder, and then and then the drummer moved and made it. You know, it was it was it was pretty much impossible. And uh, and Dave happened to know John and Andrew, and he's like. I'm going to ask these guys because they're like the best, you know, and they really are, man. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I've never, it's, it has been great playing, great experience playing with them. It's like, yeah. that, that's another thing that makes the live show even better. It's like, there's no pressure on, on me at all. Like, go play and it's still a good song. You know, it's, uh, it's all held together perfectly. And so, um, I guess I, I'm just there to have fun. Like when I feel like, <laughs> when I feel like playing stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, so we, I'm not good with the timeline of just when we started doing that. Um, I guess it was a couple of years ago, at yeah. least. And uh, it's everybody's side project, so we we all just do it because we like doing it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we we put a show together, and it's awesome. We we get to play with the Strays a lot, who are, who are awesome. Yeah. So you get to see see and hear a good show. That's half uh, the band, right? Right now. Right with uh, John and Andrew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and if people, if y'all hadn't heard the Red Clay Strays, y'all need to check them out. They're they're, they're one of the best things out there. They are. They're finally getting uh, national uh, notoriety, though. You know. Yeah, that's right. Which is which is crazy. Uh, when they've uh, they had a little clip of a song in Doctor Sleep or something, right? Yeah. Um, one of their songs was on Doctor Sleep. Yeah. Um, and. I think Abe's Abe's T-shirt was on. It was yeah. guy got killed yeah. in it. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Somebody you know, in a movie got killed in your T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, I love. I tell that story. Yeah, <laughs> a Stephen King story, no less. Yeah. Right. The whole route got pushed back, but right. still in line. What is it, Zydeco here? Um, it was Zydeco last time. I think they're going to be at Avondale this time. That's it's a good it. venue. It's a nice. I've, yeah, seen, it's really I've cool. seen a lot of people there. Yeah, it's really cool. I saw, uh, I didn't know if I'd really be into them, and I invited a friend to go with me, and I, I knew that she wouldn't like them, but we both enjoyed it, uh, Portugal the Man. Mm. It was when uh, Felix Steel had just come out, and I saw that they were up there, and I was I want to see what this band is all about. Yeah. You know anything about them guys? No, I, I can't say I know The uh, lead guitarist is paraplegic. Really? He plays lead in a wheelchair. And it, it was one of the coolest shows I had seen. Like, granted, uh, I think Band of Horses, when, if you ever get a chance to see them, I don't know if you like Band of Horses, but it's kind of like folk indie rock. It's kind of okay. it's a hard thing to describe. But they'll have a big, like, sheet set up behind them. And the whole time, it'll be like sheep grazing in pastures. It has nothing to do with the show. It's just, <laughs> it's just up there, you know? And I've seen them, like, three times, and they do something like that every time. And I was like, it's trippy. That's cool. I don't mind it. That's cool. <laughs> but yeah, so on this Portugal the Man, they were halfway through their set, and the band just started playing a Metallica cover. They didn't sing it, and the drummer said, or not the drummer, but the lead singer, he said, uh, "All right," and you saw it come up on the screen behind them because they had kind of that band the horses thing where they would like show lyrics or whatever. It's like you saw it on the screen at this time. Portugal man has decided that they don't need a singer frontman anymore, so he's going to leave. And he steps off stage, and just the, the tour bus they were playing outside, it was just parked on the other side of the fence. And you see him go through the gate, and you see the tour bus lights come on, and he sits out there while they play Metallica for eight minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, 
I think we're seeing something. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun show. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I think my first concert was the Smashing Pumpkins, and they played Planet of the Apes. Mentioned, you know, talking about having a video going in the back. They played Planet of the Apes while they did the show. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, that was my first. That's, that was probably 16, my first show. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to remember my first one. I don't think it was that cool. <laughs> it was probably a country. I think it might have been uh, Alabama the band with my yeah. dad when I was like 12. Yeah. Might have, might have caught Skinner with him too. Oh, that's cool. Which has its own value. Yeah, oh, yeah, think, definitely. In Southern rock. Definitely. Sweet Home Alabama is totally overplayed, but I don't mind it when I hear it. Right. <laughs> yeah, especially when you hear it from Skinner, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy. Like in that song, they they uh you know they uh made that push at uh Neil Young. Yeah. Over some things that Neil Young said, but I don't mind Neil Young. No, Neil talk Young's... About, talk about influences. Yeah, Neil Young's awesome, yeah. And I don't think he has any hard feelings. Over that. Matter of fact, I want to say, uh, I think I heard him say that he, he was a, a fan of theirs. Yeah. You know? Like, he didn't mind it. How yeah. much cooler does it get than that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the way it should be. That's right. But I think when the shows really got cool, we started going to Bill Street Music Fest, you know, Memphis in May. And um, that's when we really first started... I saw the Blues Travelers. I never really realized how much I liked them. I've seen them. They... Did he have his, like, sidekick, like, fanny pack of harmonica strapped to his belt? He had the bandolier and uh, in the vest full of them. I didn't notice the fanny pack, but, man, that guy. <laughs> he's a nut on the harmonica. Man, he's, he's not human. Yeah. And they were doing, like, some sick covers. They, like, covered Radiohead, and I was like, I didn't think Blues Travers would ever do this, but it's great. Yeah. <laughs> he plays multiple harmonicas in, at the same time. Like, Yeah, it was very, very impressive. Uh, and, you know, I saw him, like, after after they were at the top of, uh, you know. The, I a hook and all those songs. Right. It was it was later. It was later on, and he, and he killed it. He didn't, he didn't miss it. A lick, mm-hmm. you know. He was he was a little older, and he just killed it. The whole thing, it was it was perfect. Um, I think it was one of those hard rock shows down in Biloxi. You know, <laughs> I used to catch as many of those. Well, saw uh, Stone Temple Pilots there. There you go. You know, that's uh, was it Scott Weidman? Yeah, the Scott Weiland. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it yeah it was it was right before it was right before he passed. Uh, just I mean, not long before at all. That was a rough year. Like, we lost, uh, it was Chris Cornell, and then Chester Bennington followed right behind him. Yeah. And then it was Scott. And it was like, man, how many more are we going to lose? I think the Soundgarden show that I went to was nine days before. How was that show? Because I heard, like, those last few shows that Chris done, whether it was by himself or with Soundgarden, he didn't, he didn't perform well. I thought I thought it was great, but I might have been wrapped up in just how much I loved him. Yeah, you know, and that's the first chance I'd ever gotten to see him. Yeah. Uh, so it could have gone unnoticed because I was like, oh my god, you know, it was, it was uh, the Tuscaloosa, the the amphitheater there. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. That was uh, what two three years ago now. Yeah. Wasn't that long ago? Right. I wish I would have caught it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to me, it was great and. They they might have ended up being my favorite when I was 
uh, when I was getting into music. I mean, Nirvana's the turn of the head, and is, and definitely is still a favorite. But I think uh, I think Soundgarden might have been even more, you know, for me. Yeah, that was just that was good, good gritty stuff. And he's kind of becoming like Prince now. He just had that uh, cover of the Guns N' Roses song, Patience, come out. Have you heard it yet? No, I have not heard that. It come out like uh, maybe a month ago. And uh, 99.9 out of Columbus, they picked it up. And it's like, here's a cover of uh, Guns N' Roses by Chris Cornell. This is going to be kind of like a Prince and Tupac thing, ain't it? Right. We're going. <laughs> we're still going to have these songs come up. There's a vault somewhere. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix even, you know. Yeah. Every now and then you'll get a new Jimi Hendrix yeah. tune. But uh, I don't mind it staying that way. I liked uh, Audio Slave, Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog, uh, his Higher Truth album, like all of his solo stuff. Like yep. The dude was talented. He was so talented. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a rock and roll voice, you know. You can't replicate that. No. And he's one of the only guys that covered Prince that I wouldn't mind. Mm. Like when he did... Uh, Oh, uh, what was the name of that Prince song that they covered? Nothing Compares to You. Oh, yeah. And so every now and then you'll hear like a rock band cover like Kiss or, you know, Alien Ant Form when they covered uh, uh, Annie or You Okay. Right. And that, and that was fine. That was their big hit, you know. But right. It's, it's hard to replicate like a someone in pop like that. Right. Yeah, I remember the, the Smooth Criminal remake. Yeah, I Smooth Criminal. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Um, it went harder than Michael Jackson's. Yeah. It went hard. Yeah, I remember that. And that's around the time where, like, what you were mentioning, I don't know if it's uh, before we got started, but the, the late 90s was kind of a hard time. That's when I was fading out, yeah. that's I, I remember them because, I mean, they were, that that song was such a big thing that you, you're going to see it and hear it. But, uh, yeah, that's probably about the time I was starting to slide off and not listen to rock for a while. Yeah, where did it come from and where did it go? I don't. <laughs> yeah, none of that, none of that ever, ever really uh, stuck. Like, um, and like creating stuff. I I remember when that's it seemed like that's all there was, and you try to get into it, and it doesn't have staying power. Uh, Three Doors Down was the same way. They'd be right there in it. Right. Of course, there's there's bands that that aren't like that that didn't that I liked when I was younger than. You know, I would listen to Metallica and stuff when I was younger, but it just didn't have staying power with me. Mm-hmm. I know they're huge and everybody still loves them, but and that's good. Yeah. But for me, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna blast that in the car anymore. <laughs> you yeah. know, that was a that was a teenage thing for yeah. me, and uh, yeah, it just didn't stick. I don't know, and that's around the time where Napster became a thing, and then mm. you had uh, what LimeWire and all those different wires, and people started pirating music and yeah. uh, the whole music industry. And that goes back to what we were originally talking about with Jack White: is it got really hard to find something that didn't feel like it was cut out of a cookie cutter. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It. it uh, I, every time I think of uh, Napster and Metallica, I think of a South Park episode where because <laughs> they cover everything right they, yeah they write that show in six days it's crazy yeah uh, like man how are they so on top of everything it's because they write it on the yeah, spot they're right there yeah yeah anytime I want a good laugh about what's going on in the world it's like just watch South Park yep <laughs> and they're so unbiased they make fun of everybody I, I both see, sides I want to see every 
possible angle get demolished, and that's what. They- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like maybe maybe we don't know everything. Yeah, you know that's. I like to see that too. Yeah, and uh, American Dad, like this was crazy about music for me is like I think that's why it's important for a Ray Clay Stray song being in a movie like Doctor Sleep, and you have Abe Partridge's T-shirt being in that film and someone dying in it is that's Alabama. That's the South, and it's good. Both of those are extremely good yeah, things. That, that's right. That pop culture should know about, and it's uh, immortalized. Yeah, it'll always be in, film. in that movie. It'll always be there. Mm-hmm. Everybody will always be able to to see and hear it if they if they look at that. And movie. like with American Dad, do you uh, do you ever watch that? I've seen it, but it's it's not one that I watch. It's about the only episode I've seen of it. But uh, Jim James and My Morning Jacket was the feature of it. I think the son or the daughter, um, you know, they had just gotten into My Morning Jacket and they told their dad that they were going to go to this concert and he had never heard of My Morning Jacket. He's like, what is this, some kind of hippie crap? And he goes to the show and they're they're doing the wordless chorus song that when he just, for the chorus. And right when it gets to the chorus, he's like, it's a voice of an angel. <laughs> Who is this? And he's got cartoon Jim James down there. And like a buddy of mine was this huge American Dad fan. And he was watching that show with uh, a buddy of mine. His name's Cobb. And that's how TV and music met each other. Like he was a TV fan and Cobb was more, he's a TV fan too, but he's a music fan. And that's kind of like where worlds collide. Right. It's like he became a fan of My Morning Jacket because of American Dad. Yep. <laughs> that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Uh, I remember uh, the first CD, when I first started buying CDs, was a Dazed and Confused soundtrack because I had watched that movie. I had like three VHS movies that I watched all the time, uh-huh. and that was one of them. And, it don't uh, get much better than that. I'd seen it so many times. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting the soundtrack just because it. It's like I'm watching that movie, and you find all kind of you find all kind of stuff doing that. Have you ever seen Everybody Wants Some? I have not. So that was you know Days of Confused was the 70s. Mm-hmm. Well, they went back and did the 80s version, ah. and it's Everybody Wants Some, and it's based in a college. It's a frat house for uh, uh, these baseball players, but it has the same Days of Confused vibe. And nice. uh, instead of it being like high school, it's college. Yeah. I heard they were going to do the 90s, and it was supposed to be coming out soon. But once again, who knows? Movies just tore up like music. Yeah, it sure is. And all those <coughs> all those next seasons that everybody's waiting to Oh, yeah, to like Ozark and yeah, some of those bigger shows. Yeah, I guess The Witcher will probably be like 2036. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> that was good. That yeah, was good. That was yeah. a good show. I didn't know how it originated. I played the video games. I played uh, Witcher 2 first, then I went back and played the first one. And then I found out that it was based off of some Norwegian Some books, book. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I understood, too. Yeah. And then when they come out with a series, well, they found somebody that, you know, Superman. Uh, he did a good Geralt. Yeah. He's like Superman Targaryen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what, you know, uh, Game of Thrones messed me up for, for TV shows. Yeah. Uh, Right? How do you find a show after that one's off? And The Witcher was one of the first ones I really found myself liking after that. What uh, What was your take on the end of uh, Game of Thrones? A lot of people just... I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, I always thought Khaleesi was bad. Mm-hmm. 
she did good things that served her. She didn't do those good things when it didn't serve her. <laughs> so I could always see her being bad. But, yeah, they, they, they rushed everything, but they kind of, I guess they had to. But, you know, I like the show so much, I guess I'm willing to forgive. You yeah. Know. That was it's, one of those things, yeah. like, with uh, Game of Thrones. I remember Walking Dead was before that. And I never thought that a TV show would ever be bigger than that because it didn't matter where you were. Yeah. If you were at work, somebody was talking about it. If you were at Walmart, you would hear somebody having a conversation about it. It was just everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and then here come Game of Thrones, and it was like you couldn't escape it. Yeah, I was uh, I was a big Walking Dead fan, and then after getting into Game of Thrones pretty good, I didn't, yeah, didn't care anymore. I still liked it, but it's like, you know, uh, yeah, I didn't really care. Yeah, that show was nuts. I thought. I know they uh, what the fans were petitioning for a fan yeah. made ending because a lot of them were so disappointed with it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I was okay with it, but you know it wasn't perfect. But yeah, got to end somehow. To to have had that show, yeah, it's, a, it's a good show. So what about comics? That's probably the first thing that. They got me into the artist world, uh, but just because I I wanted to draw them, so I would get them, and you know. How old were you then? Um, for nine or ten, I remember I liked Iron Man. That was uh, that was like that kind of got me into it. Yeah. I don't know if it's because he was just a dude that with a soldering iron that was really good with it, but that that was a big that was a big part of it. I you wasn't know. into comic books at all. Um, but I, I remember watching like the Saturday morning cartoons and I always liked Batman. And then when that Iron Man film came out and it was just like that, I was like, I saw her. Yeah, they nailed it too. They and it felt like things. like a lot of things with, I guess, Marvel to me, it was just, you know, it felt like it could never happen. Iron Man, you know, and Elon Musk even. I was like, that's kind of like our Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> he's still, yeah, he's got a suit somewhere. <laughs> I know he's got a suit somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then when I saw the jetpack invention come out, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, he's played with flamethrowers. Who knows?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that was the thing about Iron Man is it felt like, you know, anybody who's into electronics at all could figure this out and do it. Yeah, it wasn't foreign, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, not only was he not superhuman, he was a weakened, uh, at, at points dying human that yeah. that put all this together to, yeah. It's pretty cool. Pretty, it's a it's a really cool idea for a character. Yeah, he didn't fall from an alien planet and have superpowers. He, yeah, you know, he was an engineer, a good engineer. Yeah. <laughs> Figured stuff out. All right, <laughs> save the universe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is uh nine and ten man? Was that like, was it just reading it or was it just trying to draw it too at that time? Yeah, the, I think the art's the first thing that got me into it, and then some of the characters. And uh, I haven't been into it for probably since, you know, early teens. I, I was in, well, mid-teens probably. And uh, so I've been out of it for a long time. But I was in, I was into it. That's that's one of the things that got me drawing. Yeah. And uh, what I'll do now, like that stack of comics over there, uh, since I was, I was buying them mainly in the early 90s. Uh, but the artwork from the 80s, to me is some of the coolest and you can get those comics for a dollar or less each and so 
like Why I'm, not? I'm thinking about the room I draw in there. It's gonna hurt, but I'm thinking about cutting those pages and wallpaper in the whole room with 1980s comics. That'd be pretty. Because they're cheap and it's beautiful art. <coughs> so yeah. Who were some of those artists at that time? Jim Lee wasn't in the picture then, was he? Jim Lee wasn't was a Marvel guy to start with, um, but he was more, I think, 90 or 91, 92 maybe even, uh, when he, he was doing X-Men and stuff. That's when I was buying comics. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Jim Lee's like, yeah, he's one of those guys that makes you want to draw. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's like one of the best out there. I think he's drawing Batman now. I know he's DC. I don't know, uh, you know, if it's just Batman or what. Uh, Johnny could tell you. That dude loves Jim Lee. Yeah, <laughs> that he was he was the big deal when I was when I was in that age. And, and Frank Miller was a was a big. That's like now. That's the kind of the thing I would. It's all dark and it might not have any color. It might have one little splash of color. Mm -hmm. It's just really a really dark looking style. Like the movies, like the Sin City movies. They, they made the movies look like his art. Yeah. yeah. And I like that. Yeah. Uh, Tim Burton, some of his stuff is dark like that. Definitely, you know? yeah. <coughs> the, the, the first Batman movie, the first couple. Mm -hmm. yeah. I forget about that a lot. I'm thinking like Nightmare for Christmas, but no, Tim Burton kind of yeah. done the Batman yeah. too. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't great, like I would say, like Christian Bale's, but it wasn't bad. Right. And I think for the time, I mean, I, you know, I think that's probably, and it hadn't gotten quite so cartoonish as it did, like later on. Like with Schwarzenegger being Ice Man. Oh, yeah. That was, that was bad. <laughs> yeah. He had lines though, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> yeah, that's that was not good. And I, I think DC's like. Aside from the the Chris Nolan, Christian Bale ones, they're kind of struggling for somebody to write a good story. Mm -hmm. Seems like that was a different approach, you know, though, because that was extremely realistic uh, as far as like how they portrayed Bane and how they portrayed uh, Joker and Two Face, and you know, it wasn't exactly the way that they done it in the comics, but right, man, it felt like it could happen, you know. Yeah, and the dude was actually you know falling apart because of all the beatings, you know. He didn't get up, but just because he had to, because it's the sequel, he's mm -hmm. he's falling apart. Yeah, yeah that seems a little bit more real. Yeah. And then uh, the Joker has been made over so many times now. Have you watched the new one yet? Yeah. I didn't mind it, man. It was good. I, I thought I thought it was good. It had that that, that taxi driver kind of feel to it, and uh, that was the same guy directed. No, the guy directed that was uh, Hungover. Uh, what was it? The Hangover. The Hangover. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Um, it's like his first serious. I'd say he nailed it. You know, I, I I know people were talking about how disturbing it was, but like, disturbing movies aren't a new thing. Like, you ever see a Clockwork Orange? You can't touch that with the Joker. Come on, that's as weird as it gets. It's as disturbing as it gets. I think. Yeah. You know, uh, that was before I was born. I hadn't heard of that. <laughs> I, I remember. Like as far as disturbing, it would be uh, what human centipede and stuff like that. It's like oh, yeah. this, is, this is not even hard, right? This is like two girl one cup it's stuff. It's just here. sick it's just stuff you <laughs> yeah. don't want to see. Yeah, yeah. I, n I never saw it, but because I, I got yeah. a good rundown of what it was. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a different kind of disturbing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. The 
the, the psychological disturbing things in Joker were. I, I remember a buddy of mine, uh, it was Johnny once again, he told us, uh, first time I watched it was that weekend I was down there to see y'all play a mobile. I, I crashed with him. And he said, uh, they said if you're a single white male, you know, late 20s to mid 40s, that you shouldn't watch this film alone of how disturbing it is because it, you know, they were scared that it was going to be like, remember the Colorado shooting in Aurora? Oh, yeah. They thought it was going to trigger people to do that again. Oh, wow. Because, you know, like the big push was like in this Joker film was society made him this way. Right. I think one of of my takeaways from it was they made the violence in that movie was ugly Real violence in real life is ugly, and you don't want to see it, and you don't want to be around it. And mm-hmm. that's what it was. That's one. That's one of the things that made it uncomfortable. It's uh, this isn't some glorified like, you know, blood slash getting. Mm-hmm. No, this is ugly, and and real violence is ugly. Some you don't want to be around. Yeah, <laughs> like how and how quick street violence is. Right. It's like I think I'm not gonna give away the scene. Or they were on the uh, subway when the guy started picking on him. Right. That, that is exactly how ugly those things are. And that's how long they last. Moments. Yep. And how easy it is to lose yourself in it. I thought they portrayed all that perfectly. I think so. And Joaquin, man, I was scared to death when he was given that role because, like, the last few Joaquin movies I watched, I felt like he was trying way too hard. And I was scared he was going to do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I thought he did a great job. Yeah. It was a good joker. Yep. Heath Ledger's still untouchable, but the movie that the Joker was was, I think, really good. And they're so lost right now with DC. Marvel, you know, they they did their universe, and, like, everything pretty flows pretty good, and they got the TV shows on Netflix or what at Disney Plus now with mm-hmm. Daredevil and all those cats. But DC is like, we got to reboot. We got to reboot. They can't never get the universe together. Yeah. And even with, uh, who was the guy who done uh, Justice League, and then halfway through it, they fired him and put another director on it. I was like, why are we even releasing this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, yeah, you got, uh, it, it reminds you of, like, X-Men 3 or something. <laughs> oh, we lost, our, we lost our director, and we got the guy from Rush Hour 3. Sweet. This is going to be, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. going to kick a lot of ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think DC, like, movies need better writers, and, you know, a lot of their characters aren't that great, Not you know, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, you know, okay, Green, Green Arrow, he's a, he's a rich guy that went through a hard time, and now he wants to make his city better. Mm-hmm. Is Batman. <laughs> right. You know, it's... Uh, kind of same thing. It's, yeah. Uh, he's been that, he's got a bow and arrow, so he's... Yeah. He's Hawkeye Batman. <laughs> yeah. Everybody loves Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what was it uh, in that Marvel movie when uh, uh, Quicksilver died instead of uh, Hawkeye? And I think it was supposed to be reversed in right. the comics. <laughs> and then it like, everybody, but you didn't see that coming. I think that was his line. And yeah. I was like, you know, we didn't. We all knew you was going to die. But then they humanized you and gave you a family in that film and you kind of attached yourself to, yeah. him, to him one of the most useless people in the uh, <laughs> he flew the plane that was his best skill yep 
He made some cool arrow shots. That's about as far as it went. <laughs> I think the Deadpool movie made did a pretty good job making making a joke about him. I don't I don't remember it exactly, but it's when Deadpool lost his powers and he said something like, "Basically, if you give me a bow and arrow, I'm Hawkeye." <laughs> I'm just yeah. That was the best Juggernaut I'd seen in Deadpool too. Ah, uh, yeah. That was better than any X Men movie had done it. Yeah. And then they made that Hulk joke over it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. big the big CGI fight. Yeah, that they totally call out while they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are some fun movies too, Deadpool movies. Which that that character was started off as like a ripoff character, like of, of Deathstroke in, in DC. Didn't know that. Yeah, um, the alter ego for Deathstroke in DC is Slade Wilson, <laughs> and he's a ninja dressing guy that carries guns and knives. Mm-hmm. So here's a ninja dressing guy named Wade Wilson, not Slade Wilson. I totally didn't rip this off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, didn't even change the last name. Right, and he was a more serious character. And then once they started having more fun with him, he kind of kind of became the bigger one too. Yeah, yeah. I liked the Deathstroke. That was a Batman villain. Yeah, it's him and uh, who was the guy? Was it Deadshot who never missed? Yeah, I think that's right. Deadshot. Or, yeah. Yeah, I like both of those guys a lot. Anytime they would appear in those, uh, it goes back to those uh, Arkham City. Oh, Did yeah. you ever play those? No, I didn't. Those were really well done Batman games. I remember hearing a lot about them. And uh, I, I think it's unreal. Those are the same fighting engines they use in Dark Souls. And I think that's why Dark Souls felt so at home, because it was the same fighting engine. But it's Batman Arkham would actually tell you how to use it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No tutorial, just go yeah, out here and yeah. die a bunch. Yeah. Have fun. When you die, you lose everything. <laughs> <laughs> brutal. Yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> I guess we probably covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, if you're satisfied, we'll walk it on out the door. All right, dude. Well, I've enjoyed it, man. Yeah. Appreciate you uh, taking the time and having me over. I've oh, been, anytime. I've been excited for this one, man. Yeah, come over here and play some guitars sometime can do most yeah. people i know that play are three hours yeah. <laughs> three hours away yeah. well, an hour and a half yeah. hours not so bad yeah i will meet in the middle or i'll come to tuscaloosa or whatever yeah yeah how you talking yeah. Well, brother let's get on out of here all right dude thank you so much for listening to porch talk we got a website now that's www.porch-talk.net uh, you can check out everything that we have going on there we got a live stream coming up september 9th that's a wednesday at 8 p.m., it's going to be Black Betty. That is Joshua Cosby's project. Uh, hang out with us there because when it's over, we're taking it down and it won't be available anymore. It's called uh, the Here Today, Gone Tomorrow uh, series. It's a cool little thing that we got going on the Facebook page. All right. Here are the Red Clay Strays. Did not share any uh, Psych P music. Go to Caution Light Media on YouTube if you want to find that. You can find the video of Dave drilling his guitar. And you can check out a lot of uh, a lot of what it feels like. I want to say that's where the live footage came from on the vinyl. I'm not sure on that. Anyway, here are the Red Clay Strays. You want to trade guitars too? Do you want to trade guitars? Yeah, why not? Okay. I feel like your little rod will be... Better on the dobro. If you say so. Might need a tuner. Close enough. Yeah, it's close enough. This song's called Wondering Why. It'll be released God knows when. It's, it's, been, it's been recorded and everything. Just gotta wait on. It's 
one of our favorite ones that we recorded, actually. She comes from Silver Spoon, Golden Rule, private school, never miss Sunday church. I come from blue collar, low dollar, out here where concrete meets old red dirt. And I don't know what happened, but it sure don't add up on paper. When I close my eyes late at night, you can bet I thank my maker. She keeps on loving me, loves me the way I am. She's not just alone for the ride, no, she's my biggest fan. And it's a little piece of heaven when we lay down night. She keeps on loving me. I keep on wondering why She's got a wicked smile Angel eyes Every guy wanting to hold her close She's as pretty as sin Like the sun sinking down On the California coast She keeps on loving me Loves me the way I am not just alone for the ride, no, she's my biggest fan. And it's a little piece of heaven when we lay down at night. But she keeps on loving me, and I keep on wondering why. purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com/purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.